Good morning. I am Rick Brenner, and I'm here with my colleague, Neil Cohen, a product safety attorney and formerly at the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. In our product safety practice, Neil and I work with clients on developing and implementing recall readiness plans, which include post-sale monitoring of feedback channels such as customer service calls, complaint logs, warranty claims, online reviews, and social media postings. The idea is to identify and respond to potential safety defects as early as possible. Our guest today is Alan Abrahams, an associate professor in the Department of Business Information Technology at Virginia Tech, who has devoted much of his research for more than 10 years to early detection of product defects by studying and parsing social media and other user-generated content. Good morning, Professor Abrahams, and welcome to the program. I was fascinated to read an article you published in 2011 on vehicle defect discovery from social media. Was that your first entree point into consumer product and automotive safety? Good morning, Rick. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, yes, indeed, that, uh, that article on uh, automotive um, safety issues was our entree to the field. And uh, we were quite lucky in a sort of serendipitous uh, uh, experience to, to have a uh, automotive safety researcher from Johns Hopkins visit our campus shortly after uh, that uh, article was published. Um, and that was Dr. Jonathan Esani um, from the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg, Bloomberg School of Public Health, um, who read the research and was absolutely fascinated by it and suggested, um, having young children himself, that we expand into other product categories beyond automotive. Uh, and that really uh, led to a snowball effect where we worked with Dr. Esani um, on toy safety surveillance. Um, and subsequently expanded into other product categories, uh, like looking at safety issues in everything from countertop appliances uh, to medical devices, uh, to food, uh, electronics, um, large home appliances, um, and uh, other products uh, categories. Uh, our most recent research is uh, looking at uh, safety concerns in mobility devices for adults uh, over 65. Uh, so that original automotive research uh, was uh, our starting point and has, has led us to a, a flood of subsequent research um, in a vast assortment of uh, other categories. That's really interesting. This is uh, Neil speaking, Alan. And, um, you know, one of the parts of your work that is so interesting is because you're really doing work that seeks to get ahead of problems by like quickly identifying potential hazards once items are already in the field. One of the things about product safety is folks always think that they need to take quick action, but the question is underlying is, what are you taking action about? And you have to first identify, as Rick described in the introduction. So identification is so critical. And um, But before we get into that, you know, most of our audience are business and risk professionals and business people. And so I want to sort of set the stage a little bit for your research. I mean, you are a, a computer scientist, I believe, by training. And so you, in your research, sort of seek to apply science to your findings to show that the type of analysis that you're doing is at least as good as or better than the sorts of analysis that people are already doing or have been doing through more traditional means. And maybe you could help us define a little bit some of these terms in your papers, sentiment analysis, text mining, and smoke words as an introduction for our audience. Sure, sure. Thanks so much, Neil. 
Um, so in, in terms of my background, yes, my, my graduate um, training is in computer science, uh, but my foundational training is in business. Um, so I, I have a, a good appreciation for the importance, not just of algorithmic means for identification, uh, but also of the implications of, of the um, cost of, of different types of, uh, of, uh, of issues that, that businesses might experience. Uh, and, and how the system goes beyond the computerized system uh, to a, a people and product system uh, also. Um, so in, in terms of, uh, you know, addressing your question about this uh, distinction between sentiment analysis um, and, and what we call smoke word analysis, I think that really hits nicely on, the, again, the distinction between computer science uh, and business and, and something that my, my foundational training really helped me identify. I noticed that computer scientists were primarily looking for sentiment um, in their analysis of consumer postings. So they were looking for um, ways to identify when a consumer was angry or when a consumer was happy. And, um, and we reviewed that research and um, we realized that consumers get angry um, about a vast array of different issues with products, um, primarily uh, relating to, to uh, things like um, packaging, uh, colors, prices, and non-safety related um, issues. Um, in fact, if you look at one-star reviews uh, for um, uh, consumer products um, on uh, you know, large websites like Amazon, we found in our research that only about one and a half percent of the one-star reviews um, for the toy product category uh, were actually safety concerns. So, you know, you have millions and millions of uh, one-star reviews uh, but a tiny, tiny fraction of those one-star reviews are actually safety concerns. If you use a sentiment analysis tool um, and you, you do a sentiment analysis to identify negative emotion in reviews, you'll find that about 5% of the reviews that contain some negative emotion, so that might be a five-star review that has some negative emotion in it, um, uh, or it might be a one-star review that has a lot of negative emotion in it, about 5% of those reviews have a safety concern in them. Uh, where our research, you know, really um, shone a new spotlight was that if you specifically trained your machine learning algorithms to look for safety concerns as opposed to looking for negative emotion, um, looking for safety concerns um, alone, uh, you would find about 40% um, of the um, reviews that you identified with the smoke word technique at, at a minimum that 40% um, would have actual safety concerns in them. So that's a huge boost above sentiment. Uh, as I mentioned before, sentiment, one star reviews was about one and a half percent of reviews had safety concerns. In negative emotion reviews, it was about 5%. But when you specifically use smoke words to train your machine learning algorithms, you find at least 40% of the reviews. So that's a you know um, at least eight times boost above sentiment um, in terms of finding safety concerns. So sentiment is probably um, not a great place to start if you're looking for safety concerns. You'll find some, but there's tons of safety concerns buried in five-star reviews and four-star reviews. Often people who write five-star reviews, which happen to um, constitute the majority of reviews on online platforms, that reviews follow what we call a J-shaped distribution. Most of the reviews are four and five-star reviews. Potentially there's moderation happening by the platform that might explain that. Um, or potentially there's just uh, you know a lot of product enthusiasts that write five-star reviews 
But you find that a lot of, you know, the four and five star reviews are very diligent assessments of the product and buried in those diligent assessments are non-emotive factual um, uh, concerns about potential um, issues um, safety wise that a consumer might experience. Um, and so it is really important to go beyond sentiment, which is the computer science model of looking for uh, defects and look from a business perspective at what are the safety concerns, where are the risks, um, and the risks are detached from the consumer sentiment. Um, the risks actually relate to the, the product um, uh, design and the product related issues as opposed to the, the sentiment that the consumer is expressing. Right. So that's a pretty good ROI, 8x uh, for that investment in the in your machine learning. And it seems um, certainly in this day and age, emotions are, if anything, getting louder and polarity is increasing. So you have to bring a finer tooth comb to the analysis. Uh, one of, and for our audience to understand it, one of the ways in which you conduct your research is you pay students or experts in a certain field, for example, automotive, and they go and they comb through certain predefined sets and basically tag those in certain ways. Um, and I believe, and maybe you could explain, you, you have to sort of analyze that against the known and then use it to sort of predict an unknown. Is, is that a fair uh, assessment? Yes, that's right. So what we, what we do um, is to start off training any artificial intelligence, you, you need uh, what we call a, a gold standard data set that basically contrasts the target class, which in our case is safety concerns, versus items in the non-target class, which in our case is reviews that don't mention safety issues. So our procedure always starts with trying to find a substantive set of safety concerns. Now, in some projects we're lucky and there are existing providers that maintain data sets of, of safety concerns. So one example is we worked with a company called iwaspoison.com um, which contributed a data set to us of, of uh, consumer um, online postings um, about safety issues that they'd experienced um, with the food that they'd purchased. Um, and so in that case, we didn't need to do any of our own labeling. The consumers had contributed content to iwaspoison.com. Um, iwaspoison.com was thrilled about the type of research that we were doing and you know, the implications that it could help have for helping to identify food safety concerns and other content. And they provided us with a data set that allowed us to train our machine learning uh, methods and, and then um, identify food safety concerns in other consumer postings like uh, Amazon food reviews. And we published that research in the journal risk analysis a, a couple of years ago. Now we were lucky in that case that the data was pre-labeled, but in most of the research projects we work with, we'll get a large data set um, from a, a manufacturer or, or a retailer, um, and we'll need to find the safety concerns in that data, which might be anywhere between two tenths of a percent of the data, and you know sometimes up to four percent of the data um, has safety concerns. So in those cases, what we do is we work with um, our students here at uh, Virginia Tech, um, as well as other um, students um, at our collaborating institutions. We have um, massive teams of volunteers, for instance at Tamasat University in Bangkok, um, who collaborate with us um, almost every semester. Um, and um, we have hundreds of uh, volunteers who will help read through uh, content and um, using the protocols that we provide them um, for um, labeling that content will assess whether the content um, 
discuss as a, a safety concern or not. But, so but, I wanted to ask you if you have any uh, particular examples that run to mind of work you've done maybe for a, a corporate client or other settings that are, could be interesting for our listeners. And what would be some examples of those smoke words? And when you say a data set, what is the data set contain? So typically our data sets um, contain an, an online posting, typically an online product review, but sometimes it's a posting from a consumer enthusiast um, forum. It might be uh, a Facebook um, posting. Um, so that it can come from various sources, but we most typically work with online product reviews. Um, and the data set typically is in either a database or a spreadsheet. It contains the date of the posting, typically a title of, of the review, the contents of the review. Sometimes there's a star rating associated with it. Um, and sometimes we might have a user identifier um, for the review. But the primary focus of our analysis is on the content of the review itself. Typically, when we work with an organization, um, we'll get data from um, either the organization directly. They might have access to their own data source, or they might ask us to, to use data that they have purchased from a third party. So they are third party suppliers who provide online review um, content. Um, or we um, might um, scrape that content um, from a, a third-party website. So we might go onto a third-party website and actually um, obtain a, a structured version of the data that exists as, as web pages. But most typically, when we work with a retailer or a manufacturer, they'll say to us, listen, we have a data set of online reviews. There's just too much for us to look at. Um, can you guys take a look inside and see what you can find. So to give you one example, we worked with a, one, of the, one of the large um, stock exchange um, listed uh, retailers, and they provided us with a data set of about 60,000 um, reviews for a product category um, that they had from their own um, website. Um, so that they, that they allowed reviews on their own website. Um, and what we did with their data set is we actually made use of both our large-scale manual collaborative tagging technologies to allow a, a, a couple of hundred uh, volunteers to each look at um, a few dozen reviews and determine if a safety concern was mentioned. And we also employed the machine learning technologies to have the safety concerns computationally identified from that data. And then out of that data set of 60,000 reviews, we provided uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of hundred high priority items back to that retailer um, for them to investigate um, further as, as high priority issues. That's fascinating. And so it's a tremendous amount of work, right, to do something like that and to do it well, right, which is obviously what we're all here to do. So have, and I know that you also have some um, sort of tagging services that you've put together at Virginia Tech, uh, which I'd be interested in hearing about, but also have, there are now social media listening companies out there right? And those to, to us seem like something that's probably more readily available to a smaller or mid-sized company that might be listening to us today. So, you know, do you have any thoughts? What, do you, what have you learned or seen in that sort of market for social media listening, especially obviously around product safety? Sure. So in social media listening, what we typically find is that the social media listening companies will look at multiple social media, media channels. Uh, you know, typically, um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, you know, popular social media uh, outlets, uh, perhaps Instagram, perhaps YouTube, um, and scour for brand mentions um, for the organization. 
uh, as well as then partitioning those brand mentions into positive versus negative um, sentiment about those brand mentions. So they typically seem to stop a step short of where risk management really needs to start, which is looking for the risks, the safety concerns, as opposed to just looking for the, the negative sent, uh, sentiment. One notable exception um, is a, a fabulous um, company in, in uh, Europe called iComply um, that actually is more precise in terms of looking for safety concern um, issues um, in online content. So you do occasionally see a, a media listening uh, company like iComply that's, that's looking specifically at risk-related content. But in general, when you look at social media listening platforms, they're gathering huge amounts of mentions of the brand and partitioning those into negative versus positive mentions of the brand um, as opposed to applying um, um, product category specific safety analysis for the brand. Now, what do I mean by product category specific? It turns out that when you look for smoke words, in other words, um, safety and injury related terms um, in consumer postings, those terms differ from product category to product category. So the terms you might see in uh, motor vehicles are different from the terms you might see in countertop appliances or, or the terms that you might see in kids' toys. So to give you an example, in kids' toys, um, safety concerns might um, mention you know, issues like uh, cutouts in the product uh, or strangulation hazards um, with the product that, uh, that might be a risk for, for the kids. Um, whereas in countertop appliances, um, uh, blades um, shattering and uh, presenting shards inside a, a food processor uh, might be a, a type of safety concern that you see mentioned. Uh, so the words that indicate safety concerns are, are, are really quite different from product category to product category. And social media listening really hasn't advanced to that level where they go beyond negative emotions and they go to look at first, what product category you're looking at? And second, what are the safety related terms, words and phrases that are specifically problematic in that particular product category? What is the reason that you mentioned teams of, of people that do the tagging as opposed to using AI to do the tagging? So AI is terrific if you have sufficient volume to train it. And, and this really relates to the previous point that I was making that product categories have very specific indicators of, of safety concerns that are particular to the mode of use of that product and, and, and the particular type of danger that that product might present. So when you're training AI for sentiment analysis, it's easy because anger is anger regardless of the product category. Um, if you're trying to look for safety concerns, the safety concerns that you might observe in a, a, a medical device are, are very different from the safety concerns that you might um, identify in a, in a washing machine. Um, and, and so um, the reason we need to do large-scale collaborative tagging for every project is that every product category is different, and we really need a sufficient data of a sufficient volume of data from intelligent human analysis to be able to inform the intelligent machine analysis. So, do you see where once you've done a category, then that could be reused over and over again by AI for that category? Yes, that's right. So we do see reuse for a specific product category. 
And um, we also do see some terms that are common across product categories. So words like, you know, unsafe, dangerous, uh, recall, um, those are words that we will frequently see across product categories as indicators of safety concerns. Uh, but then, you know, words like uh, cut out, um, wobbly, uh, slippage, um, those are words that are really quite particular and peculiar to the particular mode of use of, of, of the product. So we might see them in products, mobility products for older adults, um, but we uh, won't see them in food, for instance. I had a situation where I bought a name brand camera that came with a very expensive battery. The battery was a couple of hundred dollars that, that was provided with the camera. <clears throat> and on, the, on that battery, it noted that it was UL listed. Uh, the replacement battery that they gave me as an extra battery was a aftermarket battery that didn't have any of those notes. Um, I wrote a social media posting, or I actually put a review, not social media, I put a review on their website. They didn't, they refused to post it. So how much is that an aspect of how a company might be censoring negative sentiment or negative, uh, uh, this wasn't sentiment, this was, my, my comments were actually factual. And I was simply saying, uh, it isn't clear if this lithium ion battery has ever been tested. Rick, that's an issue close to my heart. I, I really think that the moderation and the community standards that some of the retail platforms are employing are sanitizing safety concerns that consumers and regulators should be seeing. So I'll give you an example from my own experience. I bought a dehumidifier a couple of years ago from an online platform, installed it, and it didn't have a buffer device uh, to prevent high volume spraying at the end of the hose. So what would happen is if you use the pump out hose uh, as the dehumidifier was, was pumping out, the, the pump out hose would, would squirt you know, water four, six feet in the air across the room. Now, aside from the product damage perspective, it's, it's a potential electrocution hazard with water being sprayed across areas where electrical devices are present. Now, I attempted to post that review on the online platform, and I was moderated due to violation of community standards. No emotive content in my review. It was purely an observation that this issue of allowing water to squirt willy-nilly out of a, of a product uh, was a potential safety concern, and the moderation shut that down. So I, I do think regulatory priorities, regulators having some insight into moderated content and some control of the moderation process to protect consumers from sanitizing of safety information it is something that regulators should be looking at. I also think in terms of standards, I think UL standards, Intertech standards, and other mechanical, chemical products uh, testing Standards pre-market are fantastic and things that have made a huge contribution to product safety. But I think we need more standards in terms of requiring organizations to observe certain minimum standards of consumer content surveillance, whether it's on their own platform or third-party platforms, so that we can have some assurance that they are observing safety concerns with at least a minimal threshold of sensitivity and specificity to allow them to detect safety concerns that are being reported within a, a reasonable amount of time. So these sensitivity and specificity standards are commonly used in medical testing. They are relatively easy to deploy with online reviews. Virginia Tech has a massive data set of safety concerns that we could use to evaluate and assess um, surveillance technologies and determine whether those surveillance technologies are observing safety concerns with sufficient standards of sensitivity and specificity. 
And I really think that Congress and regulators should be looking at moving product testing beyond the pre-market testing to mechanical and chemical standards and to post-consumer surveillance testing to ensure that surveillance technologies that are being employed by retailers and large manufacturers meet certain minimum standards of detection of these uh, safety concerns. So, so that's a huge concern for us is raising awareness of those issues and advocating for better standardization in industry on those fronts. Yeah, we clearly struck a nerve there because I can see the passion that you feel about having good data and having data integrity and uh, as opposed to being fed sort of a pre-selected and menu by the manufacturer or the or the platform. Um, you know, one of the things that I have observed in my practice working with all sorts of companies, both small and very large, is I think many people would be uh, somewhat astounded at the vast array of both lack of and data aggregation that currently happens, right? So what you're talking about is very advanced and sophisticated and nuanced, and it's great. Um, what I guess I'm driving at a little bit for those listeners today is the idea that product safety is, is a process of continuous improvement. And that one of the things I've often said to my practice is the single most important thing that a company can do to start is by making sure that their data is not siloed and it's aggregated. Um, and that includes some of the more basic sort of precursors to your work, which is scraping social media and scraping online reviews and getting those customer service reviews and even getting internal QA, um, R&D concerns into the same database so that everyone can look at them and there can be a resolution and the sorts of sophisticated analysis you're talking about can be applied. So I guess for some of the listeners who may not be at the stage of being able to do what you're talking about, I think it is important to know that there is always something you can do to move in, in this direction um, towards better detection. Definitely. And I, th I think that data warehousing issue that you're speaking to, Neil, where companies need to bring in, you know, direct reported consumer complaints, they need to bring in um, product reviews, they need to bring in social media posts, um, they need to bring in, in internal engineering observations, is so important. Once you have that consolidated data warehouse of product related information, then, you know, you have a rich field that you can start sifting through um, to find the safety related um, content. So I think making use of, of those data acquisition technologies, whether it be call center transcripts or inbound emails or, or, or product reviews from online or, or, or using social media listening tools um, uh, like uh, Hootsuite uh, or, or HubSpot um, or you know, um, uh, using uh, product review collection tools like Bizarre Voice, um, all of those are important strategies to be able to collect your data into a central repository so that you can then apply um, the procedures um, that uh, are useful for safety concern um, identification, including both large scale human review of the content and artificial intelligence uh, assessment and labeling of, of the content. Look, this is, there's so much to talk about here. I know that we have barely scratched the surface. It's been uh, just about half an hour, which is what we've, we wanted to keep this to so that we keep everyone's attention. But um, just incredibly grateful that you've brought this sort of level of sophistication 
to an area, product safety, which doesn't necessarily always receive a lot of attention outside of a couple of big headlines every year. Um, so, you know, I want to thank you and, and encourage everyone who's listening to think about the, the step you can take towards this direction, even, even if it is data acquisition. I know a lot of my clients use Bizarre Voice, so I was happy that you mentioned that. Um, but making sure that you go beyond there and really taking it to the next level and learn from your mistakes. Every, every person, every company makes mistakes. And um, even when there's a recall, that presents another opportunity for learning to look back and say, well, now that we know this now, could we have learned, could we have seen this sooner through sophisticated listening that might've stopped this product from going out three, six, nine months earlier than it did? Yeah, and we've seen that repeatedly in our research, Neil. We've seen products where the first consumer mention of a safety concern was three years before the recall. Um, so the, the, the manufacturer or the retailer could have prevented hundreds of thousands or millions of units going into circulation by noticing that consumer posting at the time it was posted um, ra rather than um, literally years after uh, the, uh, the report. Um, and, and for us, that's so important, not just for consumer safety, but also for uh, risk mitigation and cost reduction for corporations. Recalls are expensive. The, the impact on the brand is expensive. And if a company can be proactive, determine that there's a, a risk um, from the distribution of this particular product and make the design change early, um, they, they can, you know, uh, avert a, a very costly uh, recall of hundreds of thousands or millions more units two or three years uh, down the line. Is there a portion of your research on how to connect the dots between a social media comment about a quality issue that could later lead to a product safety issue. I had a case um, with a uh, pacifier that was connected to a small little plush uh, toy uh, by, a, by a piece of fabric. And there were complaints for a long time that the fabric was fraying uh, such that the company did an engineering change and changed the, the, um, uh, the, the way that they sewed the fabric to make it so it didn't fray. Uh, and then lo and behold, uh, a mother reported that the snap, she found a snap on the floor of the crib. Uh, and, and it was that frayed material that led to the snap coming off. Um, so while they solved the quality problem, they never went to the next step of saying, well, what could that lead to? Uh, is there a portion of this methodology that, that tries to connect the dots of where a social media complaint or, or uh, what appears to be a quality defect could lead to a safety problem? Sure, that's an outstanding question, Rick. And uh, I, my answer is yes and no. Um, so yes, to the extent that we do have those quality relation, related issues amongst our smoke term um, list, um, and no to the extent that um, what we call a, the, the pathway to injury um, is, is detached from the injury itself. So the fraying might be a pathway to injury in, in that it might lead to a subsequent choking injury. Um, but the, 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 the keyword fray um, would tend to occur um, um, more often in safety concerns than in non-safety concerns, but would not be one of the uh, most commonly safety concern related um, terms. Um, so to give you an example, 
let's say Frey was mentioned a hundred times in online reviews, um, perhaps one out of those hundred times, um, it might result in a, a subsequent injury. Um, but there's 99 of the hundred times that it doesn't result in a subsequent injury. Uh, compared to the keyword choke, uh, when a consumer mentions the keyword choke, it's either because they um, observed a, a, an incident of that occurring or because they were concerned that that would occur. Um, so the, the keyword choke has what we call a higher smoke word weight in our methodology than the keyword fray. Fray would certainly be an occasional indi indicator um, of a safety concern because down the line, there's a pathway to which it may lead to a safety issue. Um, but the actual um, explicit injury-related terms are like choking, strangulation, suffocation. Um, those would have a higher weight in our, in our methodology. Um, so it, it's certainly an issue that we grapple with. How do you, how do you still recognize those quality-related terms? And to what extent are those quality-related terms going to translate into a subsequent um, safety issue? Um, um, but it, it's it's an it's an unsolved um, problem at the moment, I think. Uh, Professor Abrahams, thank you so much for your time today. This was a fascinating conversation, and we really appreciate all of your expertise. Thank you. Great to be with you, Neil and Rick, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much.